Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Maura Murray was born on May 4th, 1982 in Hanson, Massachusetts. By the age of 21, she was 5'7 and 120 pounds. On February 9th, 2004, in Haverhill, New Hampshire, Mara Murray crashed her car on Route 112. There has never been a confirmed sighting of Mora since that night. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Mora Murray, please contact the New Hampshire State Police. This is the Missing Maura Murray Podcast. Okay, Lance, so back we are here talking about the Maura Murray disappearance. We wanted to take a look at the timeline before Maura Murray disappeared on February 9th. And we wanted to talk about some of the characters that are involved before the accident, before she disappeared. Sure. I think it's important to um, try to go as uh, uh, chronological as possible. And kind of naturally as we go, there will be people that we mention who are directly involved in her life, uh, directly involved in the disappearance, and directly involved in the search for. So... We might get a little sidetracked as we're talking about it, but we will go as chronological as possible and uh, create as much of a timeline as we can. Yeah, and this episode is all pre-disappearance. On November 3rd, 2003, Mara Murray got in trouble for credit card fraud. It is uh, on the books as improper use of a credit card under $250, and it wasn't her credit card. No, and the story is that, well, the story that she told was that she found uh, a credit card receipt in the trash, I think in the bathroom trash of one of her, um, uh, someone who lived on the same floor as her in uh, UMass, Amherst. Uh, and she, uh, the, the funny thing about it is that she was using it to buy food. She had food charges on it. Pizza? Yeah. There was pizza, subs, it was mostly to uh, Pinocchio's and... Um, uh, in the Amherst area, and uh, she was never uh, officially arrested, but she did have her picture taken outside of the dorm room, um, and 
the, the statements were, uh, were, were, were written. She was put on probation after that. So she wasn't arrested. The charge was improper use under $250 of a credit card. Some of the theories out there was if she was caught for something, say, like drunk driving, that would put her uh, at risk of being expelled from UMass, uh, expelled from the uh, nursing program. And that wouldn't have gone over too well, uh, seeing as she also had a, she also took her leave from uh, West Point. Right. So this would have been the second uh, university or college that she leaves. Correct. Which doesn't look good. Correct. And, and what were the circumstances surrounding her leaving West Point? Basically violating the code of conduct at West Point. So it could have been anything from drinking on campus to maybe leaving campus uh, unannounced. Or credit card fraud. Could have been. Yeah, they could have had something on her with, uh, with credit card fraud. So the reason for her dismissal at West Point was a violation of the code of conduct. And so she got probation, um, but she didn't go to trial. Did she go to court for the uh, the credit card fraud at UMass? The credit card fraud at UMass was uh, not something that uh, she had to go to court for. And she claimed, yeah, that she found her dorm mate's credit card number off of a receipt that she found in the garbage. Correct. But receipts, when you use credit card, they don't print the entire number. Yep. Yeah. So she's lying. I mean, she could have been lying, uh, or it could have been one of those old school receipts that, uh, you know, they they do the swipe with uh, back in the day, you know, the uh, carbon copy one. Mm -hmm. Could have been that. I mean, it was enough for maybe the police saw how uh, scared she was. Uh, that that reason was enough for them to not um, to not uh, to you know take her take her in to arrest her. On top of it was under two hundred and fifty dollars, and I am not sure what the conversation was that night. But maybe uh, maybe the the victim in question decided not to press charges for whatever reason. But her story was is that she found the receipt in the in the garbage. I believe she said she was at a party, and uh, and used that to uh, to make uh, you know several orders for delivery food mostly and that that speaks a lot to uh, where she was at mentally where she was at when she was raised uh, the the amount of food that were uh, that was that was charged to the credit cards definitely an amount of food that two people could eat so she was ordering with another person well based on the uh, credit card receipts uh, most of them contain food items uh, quantities of food items that one would assume would be for two people uh she very well could have been but uh that's never been uh, no one's ever come out and said that you know these credit cards were bought and more and i were in, in the room and we were eating together so uh, a popular theory that started popping up online was that due to the uh, pressure that she had for um you know always being a, a track and field um, uh, um, superstar uh keeping her body together uh that she was bulimic just a theory. That's just what's out there. But when those receipts were shown online of two subs and, uh, you know, a Greek salad all on the same credit card receipt, a lot of people just started saying that, uh, you know, could this be more a purging food, you know, and being bulimic um, if she really was? Uh, we're not entirely sure. There were comments made at family gatherings during Thanksgiving. Uh 
family members making off comments, allegedly making off comments to Mora about watching what she eats and, you know, well, what's the point in uh, saving room for something if you're just going to throw it up later? Uh, those are those are alleged comments. That Mora allegedly said that or family members? Family members said that to her. Allegedly ass- assuming that she was bulimic or knowing that she was or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or had an, e- an eating disorder? Yeah. Let's move forward to February 5th, 2004. A full six-month jump. The next couple things on the timeline are a couple of phone calls. One came on February 5th, 2004, a Thursday night. It says Mora made a phone call in the evening to her older sister Kathleen while on break from her security job at UMass Amherst. Yep. Now let's think of where where we're at right now in terms of uh, this is the timeline that is leading up to her disappearance. This, these are the series of events that may or may not have anything to do with her disappearing. Right. But these are the things that happen that can maybe be attributed to the disappearance. When someone goes missing, you you dial back the clock and try to find out why that person goes missing. Or if someone's murdered even or something like that, you know, you find out why or who by going what hap- by going back and looking at what happened the past few days. Fact is, she called her sister. While on break. Kathleen. Kathleen. What they talked about, we probably will never know. Right. A little background on Kathleen Murray. Kathleen is Mora's oldest sister, and uh, she has been in and out of rehab at times. And she was also uh, busted for growing pot in Vermont, uh, marijuana, which, you know, in 2015 is not that big of a deal, honestly. I mean, it depends what you're, how much you're growing or whatever, but... You know, mar- the country's sort of taking a lackadaisical approach to marijuana at this point. So maybe that's not, you know, she's not a hardened criminal or something like that. There are two phone calls. One phone call is on Thursday night and one phone call is on Friday night. Are they both to her, Kathleen? The one that was on Friday night, um, well, the, the, when she was at work at 1 a.m., she receives a phone call um, that made her upset. It was an unknown phone call. She was so upset by this phone call at 1 a.m. while she was working, that she couldn't um, form words. She was a wreck to the point where her supervisor had to escort her back to her dorm. The only thing she said when asked what was wrong was my sister. This can mean a bunch of stuff at that time. Mm -hmm. It could be anything. Absolutely. And uh, Maura also has a second sister named Julie Murray, uh, who was a runner like Mora and also went to West Point and graduated from West Point. Uh, so Mora has two sisters. She could have been talking about either of them. She could have been talking about Kathleen's legal troubles or she could have been talking about something to do with Julie. Exactly, and there's plenty of uh, plenty of theories out there as to what she was talking about and um, any uh, jealousy or animosity between the two sisters. Three sisters, I mean. Was that... Confirmed? Theories. No, just theories. I'm just saying there are plenty of things out there that kind of muddy the waters. They could have had the greatest relationship ever, but most people are going to talk about how they think Mora and Julie weren't on good terms because Julie was disappointed in Mora and Mora was, was jealous of Julie for graduating West Point and she was asked to leave West Point. Okay, so, so possibly some sibling rivalry. Could be, who could knows. be. Those are the things that you're going to find when you, you know, when you go deeper into this and you start seeing what people post. 
Right, and I, I wanted to say uh, after our last episode that um, if you are checking out the Wikipedia page, please know that it's definitely not all accurate because that is user updated. I don't know how much uh, you guys know about Wikipedia, but it's user it's user edited. So uh, you could get any amount of people editing that. So please take anything on Wikipedia about Mara Mari uh, with a grain of salt. And we are trying our best to weed through all grains of salt and get to just the facts. And then on February 6th, 2004, a couple days before, three days before the uh, she goes missing. Let's back that up just a little bit. Sure. Moore is at work, and at 1 a.m., she gets a phone call. She's so upset by this phone call that she can only say my sister and get walked back to her dorm. About a half hour before that, a student by the name of Patrit Vassi gets hit by a car and suffers severe head trauma. This is, is important because a lot of the discussion centered around the damage on Mora's car when they found it, not being consistent with the snowbanks and the tree on Route 112 where the car was found. And theories came up that she had enough time to leave her job during her break say she was going out to get a coffee, accidentally hits Patrick Vassy with her car, leaves him there, is so shaken up by the accident that she can't talk, she can't, you know, she's, she's, she's a wreck, a, an emotional wreck, and she makes up a, a, a phone call and says it's something to do with her sister, and she has to be walked back to her dorm room. They find Patrick, uh later on. He's on the side of the road. Um, he survives, but to this day, he, he still has significant side effects. And now there was never any proof that Mora had anything to do with this. Absolutely no proof. Okay. No. But they the investigators suspected Mora or just because of the car or this is just armchair detective suspecting this because of the pictures of the car and then, you know, the chance that she could have gotten into another accident on purpose potentially to cover up the dents or whatever on her car. Yeah. Okay. And this is nothing that has anything to do with police, uh, okay. uh, police reports or anything. This is something that is being dreamt up in the minds of, of people online. Right. And, and I mean, there are theories and they, these theories like are good, you know, the timeline does work. Um, she did have time to go and, you know, say, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. Wasn't, you know, going out intending to do anything. And, and she could hit this guy. So she panics. She just got busted for credit card fraud. And she doesn't know what to do. She heads back, freaks out, makes up a story. My sister. Mm-hmm. Seemed good enough, you know. Yeah, I She's mean, probably it's in shock. kind of a perfect story, actually. There's no story at all, so. Right. So what we have at this point is a girl who seems to get into a little bit of trouble a couple of times a year and it's catching up to her now it's building up uh the credit card is not gonna go away she's she's she has probation Mm -hmm. for for the credit card incident and then she hypothetically speaking she hits patrie bassey okay yeah and that's actually important to know because if she was on probation, that would still be within the six months after the credit card fraud. So she's still on probation at this point. 
She's got about a month left on probation, most likely. Now, so it was, if it was a six-month probation, which is typical uh, for pretrial, that she would have still been on probation at this point. So these are the events, again, leading up to when you know she does go missing. And I just wanted to, to note that uh, this was not an isolated incident at UMass with Patrit Vassi uh, in a hit and run getting struck by a car. There were actually two other accidents this ye- that same year. Um, two women named Lisa, one named Lisa, one named Ciara, were both uh, also left in critical condition on the side of the road after a hit and run. So kind of interesting, just something to note. And Patrit Vassi was out for about a month, woke up about a month later, not knowing where he was, thought he was actually in a coma for much longer. And actually, when the doctors uh, asked him how old he was, he said he thought he was 27. Interesting. This wasn't a bump. You know, this yeah. was this was this was this a good hit. It almost seems obviously it's probably accidental, but it almost seems intentional. I mean, with these three of them, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not saying it would be or was. I'm just saying three hit and runs. It seems like it's not a good year. To be a student at UMass. Yeah, or to be walking on... I mean, I don't know how dangerous it is to walk in the parking lots or on the streets around there. It must be pretty dangerous. Or maybe a lot of these kids are drunk. I know it is known as as an intense party school. So maybe some of these kids are, you know, are drunk, and maybe that's why they were all hitting runs. Could be. Could be. Just not, you know, we don't want to speculate too much, but that's just interesting to note that there were three hit and runs that same year, uh, even though only one of them is uh, being called you know possibly connected to mora also did patrit vassi ever see the car that hit him no okay. uh if he did he didn't remember it okay he's still around he's still uh he's still around he's uh in the greater boston area um would love to talk to him would yeah. love to would love to see what his thoughts are on all of this okay the next item on the timeline and it, it happened i guess a, a day and a half or so later because that phone call and the accident happened in the early hours of Friday, February 6th, 2004. So on February 7th, Saturday, Mora went shopping for a used car with her father, Fred Murray, who drove out to UMass to um, apparently uh, help shop for a car with her. And Fred Murray and her later went to dinner with, a, with also with Mora and a friend of Mora's. Early accounts of this... Um change from later accounts of this yeah uh this is one of this is where it starts getting a little bit muddy Mm -hmm. and uh you know you can't help but have an opinion on this fred murray who we will will get into in later episodes uh has always said that he was helping mora buy a car um went out there on a saturday the saturday before she went missing they shopped for cars they never purchased a car that saturday what they did do was, according to Fred, shopped for a used car and then met a friend of Mora's. They went to dinner at a, uh, at a local uh, pub, pub restaurant in Amherst. One account of what happened after they go to dinner is a trip to the liquor store so Mora and her friend can buy alcohol to take to a party later on where the account kind of branches off into two different versions is 
one version, Fred waits in the car. The other version is Fred in the liquor store with the two girls and says to them, what does it matter? Just hurry up and pick something. You know, we're taking too long. Something to that effect. Encourages them to, to hurry up with their transaction. Whose accounts are these? There's a police deposition where Fred says in an interview with the police, I told them to hurry up and make a selection so we can get back to the dorms. Okay. That's interesting. Knowing that there could be some motive to lie to authorities, I suppose. And then the entire evening plays out in such a way where um, you're not really sure what to believe. Mm -hmm. um, I got a couple questions before we move on. Is, uh, is, was it ever confirmed that they were shopping for a car? Uh, as far as I know. Um, By anyone other than Fred, I should say. As far as I know, there have been no accounts from dealerships stating that they had visited them that day. And isn't it true that Maura's friend mentioned she did not hear anything about them shopping for a car that entire dinner? And it's normally something that would have come up during a, you know an hour or whatever. You know, you're probably talking about recent events and things like that. None of them remembered Maura talking about getting a new car that weekend. They knew that her car wasn't running that well, but I mean... She's 21 years old and has a 1996 Saturn that's, you know, not running well. Yeah, yeah, it's not running well, but it did make it all the way from Amherst to Haverhill, New Hampshire, which is a couple hours. And even as I was saying that, I'm thinking it's 1996. She goes missing in 2004. You're talking about a car that's only eight years old. Mm -hmm. My car is eight years old now. I just drove it uh, 3,000 miles. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a car that could at least get to Haverhill, New Hampshire. One side of the coin is that Moore's car wasn't running well. And people have made it very clear that her car wasn't running very well. People being her father. That is something that he said early on, and he keeps saying repeatedly, that that car was on its way out. Perhaps that's why he gave her the... The tailpipe advice, the rag in the tailpipe exactly. advice. Once your car starts like sputtering and smoking, stick a rag in the tailpipe. Which I've and never heard of. I've only heard of it in movies to like stop the, uh, to stall the car out. I wonder if we could hear from a, uh, a mechanic about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. we could hear from a mechanic about that, um, I'm like almost 99% sure that anything you plug up a, a tailpipe with, it's going to stall the car. Yeah, um, I wonder if it had, you know, holes in the tailpipe, perhaps, and maybe that had something to do with why he said that. Maybe cover the hole in the tailpipe that was letting exhaust out a different area. I don't know. I mean, if, if you're a mechanic or have um, considerable knowledge of cars or this mechanical issue, please email us, let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes. We'd love to um, get an email from you or even bring you on the show for a, for a short interview. Yeah, absolutely. Just to revisit really quickly, there's a the, there there's the other side of the coin that doesn't ever seem to identify Moore's car issues as being a big deal. Like it's only a big deal when you hear about it from her father. Mm -hmm. Her friends never, unless they they've forgotten, they never recount anything that is. Oh, Mora's car always breaking down. Mora couldn't drive her. You know, there's some. There's some. When her dad came to visit, 
some of her friends said that she'd prefer to drive her dad's car. And who knows, maybe they were going to go try to buy a new car. But they didn't buy one on Saturday. Now, this is just me speculating here. Uh, is you think there's anything, any possibility Mora uh, mentioned the act, the hit and run, and that was what what Fred was going on and thinking to himself, well, I don't want my my daughter to get in any more trouble. I would uh, like to sell her her damaged car with evidence potentially of some wrongdoing or maybe a DUI or hit and run or who knows. And he wanted to get rid of that car, get her a new car. So there was nothing to uh, say that she did anything illegal. No evidence there. Excellent theory. Let's revisit the timeline. This is the day after she gets what is considered horrible news on the phone. Maybe about her sister Mm -hmm. because she said my sister. And that's what the phone call is what made her break down at work. The next day, her father shows up. It's Saturday. Her father shows up. Mm-hmm. They're going around to look for a used car. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. If if her sister was in trouble for some reason, right? She gets on the phone, my sister, she's all distraught about it. And then wouldn't you, you would think that Mora's sister would have needed her their dad more than Mora would at that point. Depending on what happened? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have no clue what the circumstances were, but I'm just just trying to add to a little speculation, I guess. And let's just say, for hypothetical purposes, Fred drives all the way out to Amherst, Massachusetts, from um, his home in Weymouth. And just to note, that is 100 miles and a two-hour drive from Weymouth, Massachusetts to Amherst, Massachusetts. Drives all the way out there to discuss the problem with Mora's sister. And maybe they make up a story because the problem with Mora's sister is so personal and so private and they don't want people to know. Maybe they make up this story about needing a a, a new car for Mora. Why is your dad here, Mora? Oh, he's here because we're going to go car shopping. And that's the first they hear about it. Say, great. And then, you know, they, they go out, they talk about her sister. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, they figure out a plan with their sister and then they uh, they get together with Maura's friend. They go have a couple of beers and Maura goes on her way to the party. And don't mention any of it. You know, keep it in the family if you have family issues. Now, here's where it gets a little bit strange. Oh, Fred doesn't where... go home. Okay, Fred well... goes to a motel. Fred doesn't go home. And goes to a motel in Amherst. Now, why did she have his car in the first place? Why would he let Mora drive his car if he knew she was going to be drinking and had already been drinking. To that, I have no answer. All I know is that they go out to dinner. They go to a liquor store. Mora drops her father off at the motel with the plans to return his car to him the next morning. Maybe they were going to go look for a car the next morning as well. And she was to take his car to the dorm, return the next morning to pick him up. She's at the dorm at the party. Her friends at the party have given accounts saying they don't remember who she was talking to. At one point, she says she's got to go return her dad's car. It's about 3, three o'clock in the morning. Now, there are some people who have given an account saying that she left with a guy, and some people have said she left alone. The people who said that she left with a guy don't remember who the guy was. They've given no description of the guy. To, to my knowledge at this point, at this point, in the investigation, they have not. That's very strange. To and me. what we're trying to do here is like cl- 
clear up this, the, the muddied waters. Sure. Yeah, we're trying I to could get be, to the bottom. I could be completely wrong on this. Somebody in the last week or two might have just come out and said, you know, oh, hey, that was so-and-so that she was talking to. It, it just randomly, you know, it just popped into my brain. I just remembered. But in the time that people have been looking into this, no one seemed to remember who she was talking to. It's really interesting after she goes missing and then you would think that the police would ask for as much detail as they could get on, you know, if she left the party with a guy and especially a guy that their friends didn't know by name, but could have easily given a description, you would think, if they if someone saw her, you know, their friend leaving with uh, an unknown guy. And I don't want to stereotype, but you're talking about two really good friends of Mora, probably slightly intoxicated college-age females. Mm -hmm. True. If they were against her leaving that party because it was 3 o'clock in the morning and there was no need for her after she'd been drinking to go deliver her car, deliver her father's car back to him, these are protective girls. This is a group of friends, Mm -hmm. a circle of friends. If we're at a party and you're talking to a girl and it's a situation where I think you shouldn't go at that point, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably try to approach that girl and say, Hey, you guys have been talking all night. Try to talk about it going. Right. You know, like, oh, that piece of information is just not just that that disappeared from my head. But I do remember the time she left. Right. But these are twenty, twenty one year old uh people, you know, who are most likely intoxicated, so maybe we need to cut them a break on that aspect. Also, no one knows what's gonna happen two days later. Yeah, but still, when, you know, you're asked about, you would really check the recesses of your memory, You'd hope, I would yeah. think. So, okay, that's just a little interesting to me. And uh, this whole thing gets more interesting. <laughs> uh, yes. This um, night gets I, more interesting. I wanted to ask one question about her friend that they went to dinner with. Do, do we know who that was? And was that same person at the party? Yes. Do we know which what her name was? Yes, we do. Kate Markopoulos was, uh, was a close friend with Maura. Um, she was at the party. She's the one who has uh, consistently never been clear about the party. Uh, couldn't name anybody else that night at the party. And um, her and uh, Sarah Elfiri, also at the party, also has never said anything about the events of that night. Thank you very much for listening to the Missing Mora Murray podcast. We will be back soon with more of the timeline. And I know a lot of you guys out there are wondering what the plan is for this podcast. We are going to try to get through the entire timeline. I'm not really sure how many episodes that's going to take for us to get all the way through the crash and beyond. But we want to get all the way through that first. And then we want to start getting into theories. Our own theories... James Renner's theories, you out there listening right now, we want your theory. So please, uh, we, we do want to cover comments as well. There have already been a lot of comments made on a Reddit post, uh, in addition to James Renner's blog. So if you want to check out some of the comments or comment yourself. We do plan to do episodes where we respond to the questions that you ask. So check out reddit.com 
or James Renner's blog, or we also have a YouTube channel where you can comment there. The links are in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and participating in this podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.